It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. How can you achieve and maintain business growth? Harvard Business School Executive Education is now accepting applications for a new program, Driving Profitable Growth. Taking place in Boston from October 25th through the 28th, this program focuses on business expansion and organizational growth strategies that can lead your company into the future. Learn more about this three-day program for senior leaders by visiting hbs.me growth. That's hbs.me growth. You are Locked On Celtics, your daily Celtics podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, and welcome back to the Locked On Celtics podcast here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Three games in the books for the Boston Celtics. They are 2-1 and one with a distinct possibility of having been 3-0. and oh. And we're going to talk about all of the things that went right and that went wrong for the Boston Celtics. I am John Corrales, joined by Jay King, who has been going crazy across the country covering the Celtics for MassLive.com. Tonight's show, or today's show, whenever the hell you're listening to this show, could be the morning, could be the afternoon, could be at night. Whether you're driving in the car, at the gym, maybe you're you maybe you just download us to have the soothing voices of me and Jay put you to sleep. Whatever it is, <laughs> as long as you're downloading the show, it doesn't matter. It all counts statistically. The show is brought to you by SeatGeek. Download the SeatGeek app. Use the promo code LOCELTICS. You're going to get 20 bucks back after you make your first purchase. We're going to talk more about how great they are later. But Jay... Three games in the books in this weird NBA schedule. We banged out three games in four nights. And now the Celtics have three days off. So we have three days to just kind of dwell and look at it. The big story, I think, is it's Avery Bradley's world and we are living in it. He has had an amazing start to the season. Obviously, small sample size. But, man, AB has been on fire. Avery mother bleeping Bradley. He <laughs> has been just unbelievable. Entering this season, he had had 13 games with five or more assists. Then he did it in game games one and game two. Then he follows up with game three. He has 31 points, eight of 11 three-pointers, four assists, career-high 11 rebounds. He talked a lot in the preseason about his improvements and how he wanted to be more of a playmaker, how he wanted to hit the glass. Right now he's leading the Celtics in rebounding with 8.7 per game. He is playmaking. He played point guard in the fourth quarter against the Charlotte Hornets. Avery Bradley playing point guard? That's ridiculous. The no. last time that happened was like years ago when, it, when no. Stevens tried it and realized quickly, no, 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 no. no. We cannot do this. But Not now... Great. They're going to it, and it's working, and it's Avery Bradley's world. This is, Avery, mother bleeping Bradley. It's amazing to me because as I wrote today on RedsArmy.com, I used to have the two-dribble rule for Avery Bradley. It's the Tony <laughs> Allen two-dribble rule, which you get two dribbles, and then all hell breaks loose after two dribbles. When Tony Allen put the ball on the floor, he had two dribbles to get to where he was going, and if he did, then great, but if he – once that ball hit the floor for a third time, all bets were off. 
And and for Avery Bradley, that was absolutely the case. You put the ball on the floor for a couple of dribbles, and then it's either pull up or pass or something. After that, it was disaster strikes. And really, at the beginning of his career, two dribbles was being generous. Now, I'm watching him going up against Kemba Walker, and he's like casually stepping back, dribbling between his legs. Like, it's no big thing. Like, he's just... It's like he's dribbling without even thinking. His body's doing things, and he's just passing the time and he'll, until he decides what he's going to do. And I think part of the progression for Avery Bradley, seriously, is just him being older. Being 25 as opposed to 21, your body, he's, he's finding his physical prime. And the things that you had to think about doing before are now just happening naturally. And that's that's really a huge part of it. He doesn't have to think about when he's putting the ball on the floor. He's just doing it. He doesn't have to think about the things he's doing on the floor. He's able to just get to spots and put up a shot. Like that shot that he hit against Kemba at the end of the game – driving and and floating and waiting in the air until he had just enough time, just enough space to shoot, and then kissing it off the backboard. When have we ever seen Avery Bradley do that? Uh, Avery Bradley has – I mean, he, he's gotten better every year. So the evolution started years ago when he first became – you know, a long two-point shooter. Then he became a three-point shooter. Then he became, you know, a, a, a full defender where, you know, he, he goes from being the lockdown individual defender to a, a top-team defender, a first-team all-defense. Now, I did not foresee the playmaking ability that he's developed. And to be clear, he's not going to sustain the pace he's, he's at right now. Nobody shoots 67% from three-point range. Nobody scores with the efficiency he's been doing. Like, he's he probably will not continue to have more than double his assist average from last season. He probably will not continue to lead the Celtics in rebounding. But but it's it's very clear that some of the improvements that he showed in preseason are real. Why are you hating, are, J. King? Why are you hating? Uh, this is not hate at hating? all. This is this is this is admiration <laughs> for a guy who goes into the offseason every year and comes back with something new. And this year, it's playmaking and and being able to handle the basketball, being able to come off pick and rolls, being able to make the defense pay when guys go underneath the pick and rolls. That movie you talked about on Kemba, he he wouldn't have even considered trying that Mm-mm. last year. And and that was the difference. Like he's had big scoring games before he's had 30 point games before he's had eruptions it was kind of like like then it was he was he was presented with opportunities and he took advantage of them this time he made his own opportunities the celtics were down 74 71 early in the fourth quarter and he rattled off 10 points over the next three minutes 10 points over the next three minutes while playing point guard for them what on earth? I wrote about this. I wrote about this in my in my story after the game. 
there was one play where Tyler Zeller outlitted it to Terry Rozier. And Rozier, who would normally be a point guard next to Avery Bradley, just threw it to Bradley, just pitched it out to him like, here you go. Here, you're PG. You, you've earned it. <laughs> I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just, just run down the court, and I'm going to be the off guard this time because, you know what, you're playing one hell of a basketball game. So he's not going to keep the pace up that he's been on so far. But it's clear that he has improved and and the playmaking capabilities that, that he talked about, that he showed in preseason, they're carrying over to the regular season. And he did this all while defending Kemba Walker, while slowing the guy down that had been really keying the Hornets offense. So Bradley really is becoming a legitimate two-way player. And this is a point that I was trying to make today on Red's Army. That he is not just a defensive guy that you can count on to hit some shots and contribute to the offense. I think this is the season where he's making that transition into a legitimate two-way player. And look, look at look at the small sample size after three games, things that are sustainable and not sustainable. 21 points a game, not really sustainable necessarily because, yes, he is shooting... 67% from three. So that's obviously not going to last. But could he shoot 40% from three? I think he can shoot 40% from three. He's, if for nothing else, the Al Horford effect is giving him a little bit more space. And Horford has been assisting a, on a, a bunch of Avery's baskets. So uh, I think Chris Forsberg had it this morning that 16 of Bradley's baskets so far this season have been assisted and six of those have been from Al Horford which is significant and when we look at Al Horford's number over the numbers over the first three games he seems quiet but this is the type of effect that he has like part of this is Avery Bradley making a, a, a nice step forward taking a nice step forward but we can't discount the pot the Al Horford effect in this that Having a guy like that that commands attention, that can pass, that can find guys in spots, that's that's something to uh, consider as well. But So he's he might not score 21 points a game, but maybe he'll score 17 or 18. And obviously he's not going to average nine rebounds a game this year, but he might average <laughs> five or six. That's possible. The Celtics, might, Celtics might need him to average nine, man. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> that yeah. rebounding is rough. But you know what? I think he's right now at just over four and a half assists per game. I think that can be sustainable. Why can't that be sustainable? That that's something that when you look at the numbers, that is one number that I think probably can stay at least close. Maybe it's not 4.7. Maybe it's 4 or 3.9 or some something that's within that range. But that's sustainable. A field goal percentage that's somewhere around just under 50. He's at 52 right now. That's sustainable. I think some a player efficiency rating that is right now at just about 23, but maybe it's at 19. Something like that is sustainable. So I think that Bradley is taking a big step forward. And some of these numbers, while they may not stick where they are right now, I think that there's a lot of it that will. Well, I mean, you talk about him making close to 50% of his shots. 
last season, since he's become a high-volume guy, last season was his best at 44.7% from the field. So it, it's it's a big leap. It would be a huge leap to get to close to 50. I, I don't know if, if he's fully capable of that. We do know that he's more dynamic now, and he's more capable of, of playmaking responsibilities. It's, it's very clear that he has developed that part of his game. And it's, it's been huge for the Celtics offense, which right now is tied for fourth in points per 100 possessions, which is a major upgrade over last year when that unit was mediocre. And what's most promising about it to me is that they're doing it without forcing a ton of turnovers. Last year, they were almost not entirely reliant on forcing turnovers and getting fast break buckets and scoring in transition. But their half-court offense, this is a stat that was relayed to me by someone in the organization, their half-court offense was 26th in the NBA last year. Now they're doing it, and they haven't forced a ton of turnovers through three games. Marcus Smart hasn't been out there. That's That's been a big part of that. They haven't forced all those turnovers, and they're still scoring buckets. With Al Horford on the court, the Celtics are scoring 112 points per 100 possessions. That's a huge... That's huge a big number. number. And and you can see just how much he's facilitating. And like there was one play against Charlotte, he jab stepped right, drove left, just it was the simplest play. He took maybe two dribbles, pitched it to Avery Bradley, wide open, in rhythm three, schwap. So Horford's doing a lot. Isaiah Thomas is playing really efficient offensive basketball. He's turning it over too much for my liking. I don't think that'll continue because he hasn't ever turned it over much before but he's he's really shooting the ball well up and down their lineup guys are just shooting shooting really well and they're getting really good shots so right now the Celtics are shooting 39.5 percent for behind the arc which is would be a huge upgrade they have they don't even have Kelly Olynyk back obviously they don't have Marcus Smart back either that could hurt it but and Avery Bradley will will fall down to earth but nobody else on the roster is really shooting an unsustainable mark. So really good sign so far from the Celtics offense. And and that I think you know the defense is going to be there. You know they have the the personnel, they have the mentality, they have the coaching where the by the end of the season when the sample size is big enough, they are going to have a a top defense, whether it's top 5, top 10, whatever, it is going to be elite. It's the offense that that you were worried about and the rebounding too. We'll we'll talk about the rebounding, I'm sure, at some point. But the offense has been very, very powerful through three games. And, you know, fifteen three pointers against Charlotte. That that's they only matched that twice last year, all of last season. And Charlotte Charlotte's a, a good team, good defensive team. So huge, huge start to the season offensively for the Celtics. And that goes from Bradley, Horford, Thomas, Crowder, all of them just playing playing really good basketball. Yeah, it's it's really been entertaining. Even in that loss, there's some frustration to the Bulls, but it's been entertaining to watch them go out there and score a ton of points and and hit a ton of shots early in the season. They get a chance for revenge against the Bulls on Wednesday. This weird schedule. So they've got a few days off, and then they play again on Wednesday against the Bulls, which is their second game back home. And hey, look, if you're interested in going to the game, you can do so by using the SeatGeek app. 
the NBA season, it's back. The Celtics are back. And the SeatGeek app, it's the smartest, easiest way to find tickets. You can sit anywhere in the arena. If you want to get up close and, and try to find something courtside, or if you want to sit way up in the at the top, doesn't matter. Use the SeatGeek app. You download it. You sign in. And it will give you a whole look at the entire arena. You've got red, you've got yellow, and you've got green dots in different, start, different parts of the, uh, uh, the, the arena. You just go in, you, click on the green dots. Those are your best deals. They do all of the work for you. And you just download the, the, the app. You do that. You go to the settings tab, and you enter the promo code LOCELTICS. And you will get 20 bucks back off of your first purchase. So if you haven't gone to a game yet, if you haven't used the SeatGeek app, you, could, you don't even have to decide now. Don't even bother with deciding now. On Wednesday, get somebody at work. Get one of your friends. Whatever. Go by yourself. It doesn't matter. You can find single, single game tickets on this. Go for it. Walk up. As you're walking up, you're walking past the Bobby Orr statue. You can whip out your phone there. The, even if you haven't downloaded it. You can go from the Bobby Orr statue to the turnstiles. You will have downloaded the, the app, picked out a good ticket. You don't even have to print it out. You just show them your phone. Boom. Done. And if it's your first purchase, and if you've used the promo code LOCELTICS, you get in, you enjoy the game, you will get 20 bucks back from them. Dude, that's a couple of beers. That's great. That's a night. You are having yourself a night, and the Celtics go out and get to have some revenge against the Chicago Bulls. And one way that they will get revenge against the Chicago Bulls is by getting Marcus Smart back, which would be huge. And we look at the Celtics' defense, which hasn't been great, Jay, but Marcus yep. Smart coming back would be a huge thing. We, we get caught up in, in all of the numbers now, but... Marcus Smart not being there has had a profound effect on this team. Yeah, the second unit really has has been very up and down and very inconsistent and I would say mostly pretty bad. And and the thing is, right now Marcus Smart and Kelly Olynyk are out. Right now, I would say Tyler Zeller hasn't played particularly well. You know, he he's had a, a couple of moments. I thought early on in the third quarter against Chicago, he was pretty good, but then he just he just hasn't sustained much. He's Tyler at Zeller. Both He's Tyler yeah. Zeller. He has his moments. He's okay. So but. so so Tyler Zeller, and then the young guys, Rozier, Jalen Brown, and then Gerald Green. They've all been inconsistent at best. Th- that second unit, you know, hasn't really done much, and especially against Charlotte, was was pretty bad, pretty sloppy basketball. They need Marcus Smart. They need Marcus Smart to, to force turnovers. They need Marcus Smart to give them a, a bigger backcourt, a better rebounding backcourt. Rebounding is going to be a big deal for this team all season long. Chicago kicked their ass down oh. low. Robin Lopez, Taj Gibson just mutilated the Celtics down low. 18 offensive rebounds. 18 offensive rebounds, which is crazy. It was so funny because the Celtics – the next day when they were flying out of Chicago, had a six-hour plane delay, and they were just sitting in the plane for six hours. And Brad Stevens said, yeah, 20 minutes per offensive rebound. And it was perfectly Brad Stevens because he actually did the math right. 
Yeah, of course. Like, Off the top of his head. Like, literally, he asked somebody, he's like, oh, how, how long were we there? Someone said six hours, and he said, oh, 20 minutes per offensive rebound. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy, it's like, man. Jesus, Brad. Take it easy a little bit. Just just for one one time, do something that, that's not smart. Here, here, here's uh, what I want to – I'm going to interrupt you here. Are you finally believing me that Brad Stevens is getting a little saltier this season? Okay, so I did not believe it at all in the preseason. It wasn't true, I'm pretty sure, in the preseason. No, I saw game, it. Game game one, he went on a, a little rant about their turnovers, which was pretty funny. And then the the 20 minutes per offensive rebound thing, another Brad Stevens funny thing. And then he gets a tech in game three. Yeah. So... You can yeah, say we, I was wrong, but I saw this coming. I saw this coming. I'm telling I you. I think you lied. I think you lied, and then he followed you. Like, he, he was listening <laughs> to the podcast, and he's like, you know what? I got to prove this Corrales dude right. Which, what? Hey, look. Either way, actually... I don't think that's true, but I'll take it because I think that's even better for me. I'd rather be, yeah. I'd rather influence Brad Stevens than have, have been prescient about him. I don't think we want Brad Stevens getting influenced by you too often. Let's just let's just let Brad be Brad. Shh. <laughs> I'm this close to getting Brad to do shots with me at the bar and spilling the beans. One of these days, me and Brad. Drunk podcast. It's got to happen. There you go. How awesome would that be? Me and Brad I, I, over at Sullivan's Tap just in a dive bar doing <laughs> doing Jameson shots. Just, and another <laughs> thing. Yeah, Greg Popovich, he's not so great. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, that's that's on the podcast bucket list right there. Yeah, no, but seriously though, I, I think that I think that Brad, it's just been funny. It's been funny. But sorry, I interrupted you. By all means, continue your point. I don't even remember what I was talking about. I don't about. even remember what you were talking about. Either. We were well, we were talking about Marcus Smart and how he's impacting rebounding, and, and we we're talking about yeah. Brad like being able to correctly calculate that six hours of a delay was twenty minutes per offensive rebound. The damn, damn impressive, and then Some Will but the re, re, the rebounding thing is is a real issue. They mm-hmm. lost Sullinger, they lost Turner. We've known since the summer. We've been talking about rebounding, rebounding, rebounding. It's going to be important. They are going to have to find a way. Brad Stevens said, "You know, it's it's okay if we're even. It's okay if we're minus one, minus two. It's this is going to be the type of team where that's okay." We just can't be minus 18 or minus 19, whatever they were against the Bulls. So that that rebounding is going to be a a category to watch all season long. If they can hold their own and create turnovers and get as many opportunities as people, then they are going to be a very good team. But they cannot be letting Robin Lopez dominate them. They cannot be letting Taj Gibson make them look like barbecue chicken down low it, it is they can't they can't let those things happen they they need to be more physical they need to have the guards like avery bradley with his 11 boards against charlotte help out that, that is going to be the biggest issue maybe all season long is rebounding and marcus smart coming back will help that he is one of the better guard rebounders in the nba so 
that's a big deal. And then Kelly Olenek, you've taken the two best reserves off that second unit. Yeah. Those are the two best players. So, so that's a big deal. And the starters have, they've played well against Charlotte. They were, they were awesome. 10 of 16 from deep. They were moving the ball, hitting open shots. They were nothing forced, nothing rushed. Everything was in rhythm. And, and then you're going to add your two best subs. And now all of a sudden the, the bench is going to go from a little bit of a liability to a strong point. And, and maybe that'll allow them to, to really rush forward. But, Right now, the the bench hasn't been great. J- Jalen Brown up and down. I that kid, he's still like, I said this on I was on somebody's podcast, um, and I said, have you ever seen The Giver, the movie, or read the the book, The Giver, John? No. I I should have known. You're you're not a reading type. But any anyway, <laughs> what the <laughs> hell does that mean? And, <laughs> and anyway. Anyway, there, did you just call me stupid? No, you're just not the reading type, you know. And uh, I so feel this like kid, that's calling me stupid. Anyway. This kid, he lives in a an org in a civilization where nobody can see color, and he's like the one who can see color. And and so I, I was saying, Jalen Brown is like this kid. His name is Jonas, who can who can see color. Like there are very few people who have the gifts that he has to see color. But this kid, when he got the gift. Like when he first saw colors, he didn't know what the hell to do with it. He was like, what, what am I seeing right now? What is, what is this? And so Jalen, Jalen Brown is in that stage. Like he, he can, he can see color. He can do things. Not a lot of people can do. He has gifts that are very rare, but he just doesn't know what the hell to do with them. He's just finding out like what he's capable of, what he can do. And he's, he does things every night that are just, just wow still, but so yeah, that that's my Jalen Brown weird metaphor of the day, and I had to I had to insult <laughs> insult you, John, a little bit, saying you're, you're not a book guy. Are you a book guy though? Uh, no, no, I'm not. See? See? <laughs> I'm not a voracious <laughs> reader. But if if this was like high school, you would have told me, "Hey, John, read this book. I'm going to reference it in the podcast." I will have ignored your assignment, and then 20 minutes ago, I would have skimmed through the cliff notes, and then. Yep. pretended that I knew what I was talking about and then passed and whatever. My friends hated me for that in high school, but whatever. I mean, you want to embarrass <laughs> me in public? That's fine. See, my, my friends were cheating right alongside me in high school, man. It is what it is. But that's, yep. look, I'm going to take your word for it. I'm going to take the high road and say that that's a fine metaphor. I It sounds correct. I will trust you, Jay King, because I'm a trusting soul. Okay, so while we're on the Jalen Brown topic, we had a tweet from Vandell Harris. Please take a second to blast Kyle Draper for his lame-ass nickname for Jalen Brown, the poet WTF. I love Drapes. I'm a big Kyle Draper guy. I really appreciate him as a person, as an on-air personality. Drapes, the poet. That's bad. That's not your finest moment. It's not good. <laughs> Sorry, dude. And he, and he tried to push it so hard. It was, yeah. They even asked Jalen Brown about it, and he was like, "Nah, no. can't do the poet. Nope. The poet is like he's not a he's not a poet. Like that just doesn't fit. He's like 
something more violent. I don't know. Well, I liked there. There are two nicknames that I've seen kind of bouncing around that were okay. The Checkmate. One, checkmate's okay. Checkmate's okay, and especially since he made this chess kind of reference in a tweet to start the season like that it fits him a little bit i kind of liked ups like what can brown do for you brown's gonna deliver i thought that was okay too cliche cliche. jesus man let's 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 think of something new no ups is bad all right fine shit jesus all right who wants to be a delivery service a guy in the nba who delivers every day you had the mailman, the car Malone, one of the best power force of all time. He named himself the mailman. Yeah, well, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> checkmate. I mean, yeah, checkmate. See, back to checkmate. Uh, We're back to checkmate. I don't know what would what would be a good nickname. Well, you gotta have to, you have to. I don't know if we're at a nickname stage for for him yet. Well, he he's got to come into it organically. We can't just be trying to right. Put nicknames I'm on. not feeling a nickname. Like it's right now, I'm not feeling a nickname. He's not doing anything right now. He's making a couple of highlights. Anything that fits him right now, I honestly I don't want anything that fits him right now because I want him to be better than that. I want him to grow into something. Like when Shaq bestowed the truth upon Paul Pierce, that wasn't his rookie year. That was what six or seven years into his career, so let it happen. We don't have to give this guy a nickname now. Just let it happen. Let him grow into it, and then we'll see. Like, oh wait, he's this whatever name. I don't know. <laughs> I, I I just don't think there's nothing. Let's there's call nothing him. Now. Let's call him this whatever name. Yeah, that that's the one. Jalen Brown's nickname is this whatever. This whatever name. There you go. There's the hashtag. There you go. <laughs> Uh, thanks for tweeting us with the hashtag Rain and Jays. Uh, I, I like this uh, one from uh, at Rebel Life Media. The hashtag Avery Curry with the threes after the uh, the Hornets game. That was an Avery Rodman with the rebounds. I, I like that. This nice, nice uh, hashtagging there from at Rebel Life Media. Who else? Oh, at. Uh, and micro six, Nicholas McCrulis. When did Avery Bradley learn to play point? Which was something that we talked about. I just I love the fact that his handle has come along. And that that's a huge, huge reason for him to uh to have improved. And and, and at Connor Sharp asks, Do we have a nickname for the new Avery Bradley? Now, see Avery Bradley's at a Everybody point where Everybody wants a nickname, man. But see now Avery's at a point where we we can give him a nickname. Like Avery's at that level. Like now he's kind of nickname worthy. We kind of see where he's going. So, so FedEx. You're stuck on this. <laughs> You're stuck on that. Let's move past it. Let's save the delivery thing for Jalen. Maybe he'll grow into that. I don't know. What's what's a good name, nickname for Avery Bradley? I mean, he's a, he's a staunch I'm done, defender. I'm done with the nicknames, man. I don't need it. We don't need to talk about damn nicknames. Jesus, wow, man. What we we off the air talked about me being cranky. All of a sudden, you you're the one who got cranky. We we just spent ten minutes talking about nicknames. I, I don't need to be talking about nicknames. Let me talk about his thirty-one points and eight threes. No fun. No fun at all. <laughs> 
Is there anything else you want to talk about? I feel like people are getting pissed off at you. AKA me? me. I'm getting pissed off at you. <laughs> <laughs> it's because it's you don't read, man. Ever since I made that comment, you've been... Yeah, I've been pissed off at you ever since you, you've <laughs> told people I don't read. I don't read books. I don't read a lot of books because I spend all day reading about the Celtics to give people the information and perspective that they need. My oh. day is spent reading... Maybe maybe my day is spent reading articles on Mass Live by Jay King and looking at what go. Jay King has to say and saying, huh, that's interesting, but maybe I shouldn't anymore because Jay King turns out to be an asshole. That's what I'm saying. Okay. All right. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, anyway are, are you at all concerned that the Celtics' defense hasn't been elite through three games? No, not really. Uh, I'm, I'm, let's look at the three games. The, the Nets game, they were, they were okay until the fourth quarter and they relaxed. Uh, the Bulls game, they gave up a lot of that. It it was all rebounding. It was all rebounding. And and threes by guys who don't hit threes, whether it's Dwayne Wade, Jimmy Butler, even Rondo, Michael Carter Williams were getting in on the action. So like, if we're yeah, what? if we're looking at it, if we're looking at it realistically, they had the Nets get hot late with a bunch of guys that and and mostly against guys who weren't uh, who wouldn't normally play in those situations. The Bulls, there may never be a night in the NBA again where Jimmy Butler, Dwayne Wade, Rajon Rondo, and Carter Williams hit threes in the same game that may never ever happen again and so that pumps up their offense and then against the hornets they they held them to 98 points so not they they could have done more defensively i guess but you hold it you hold a team to under 100 without marcus smart like that's that's not horrible that's not horrible i i, I will say this the drop-off from Evan Turner to Jalen Brown slash Terry Rozier slash Gerald Green is a legitimate drop-off defensively. Mm-hmm. That is, those guys are not yet at the point where they can guard as many positions and do it as consistently as Evan Turner did last year. So I, I do think that there's a little drop-off there, but I, I think you can make up for it in other ways, especially when Smart gets back and and just destroys people like he does yeah and look obviously evan turner is a, a an nba veteran so you've got jalen brown out there who's a rookie who's going to make mistakes you've got gerald green out there who's never a great defensive player who's going to make mistakes and you've got uh terry rozier out there who is a second year player who's going to make mistakes so let's Keep this in proper perspective. Yes, the drop-off is real. There's no doubt about that. That Turner was an underrated part of the defense with his ability to switch and guard multiple positions. Smart is going to change that. And Smart will probably be back very soon. So that's something to look forward to. And he's going to change the entire dynamic. Kelly Olynyk, whenever he gets back, is going to change the defense. And he's the classic example of that guy who is a great uh, team defender, not great, I shouldn't say that, who's a good team defender, uh, that, which is code for he will get toasted on an individual basis, but 
He's good enough to help when he needs to help, get into a good position to stop drives. He can defend the pick and roll and stop guys from getting by, and he can switch and be okay and give you at least enough time to recover and get the good individual defenders back into a position where they can do their job. So those two things will happen at some point soon, and that is very, very important. And I think when we're looking at these Celtics and why they are not that elite team, why they're not really a competitor to Cleveland, because they need all of these things to happen. They need Marcus Smart to be there. They can't really absorb the loss of Marcus Smart. They can't really absorb the loss of Kelly Olynyk the way an elite team can absorb the loss of another key guy. When Cleveland loses a guy or Golden State or the Clippers lose a guy, they can kind of slide someone in and they have other guys who are really, really good and they can make up for that loss. The Celtics don't really have that. So we just have to hope that they stay healthy enough and when Smart and Linux are back, we're going to see a markedly different team. There you go, and and hopefully, hopefully the offensive improvements are real. I I, I think I said this before the season that they'll have a top ten offense. I, I I still think that they will, and they haven't shown me anything to to prove me otherwise. They, if anything, they've been better than expected, and everybody's hitting shots, everybody's scoring efficiently. It has been. And everybody's getting assists. It's like equal opportunity, ball whipping around. The offense has been been really, really impressive so far. Yeah. Al Horford has made that offense pop. And then the other guys have, have all improved a little bit too. The one thing, so, I mean, I, I don't know if this is something that Hawks fans will listen to this podcast and say, ha-ha, see, you're like us. I, I would love to see Al Horford be a, a little bit more uh, aggressive and looking for his own shot sometimes. But he's just been so good, and even though his numbers don't don't jump out at you, he's been so good for everybody else on the team. I really, again, do think that he's had a great impact on Avery Bradley's performance, and this has been kind of the Avery Bradley show for the first half of it, and deservedly so. But it, it I think it coincides with Al Horford's arrival. But I would still like to see Al Horford go out there and do uh, – do more as far as just looking for his own shot. Yeah, in some cases, but but the beauty of his game is that he doesn't do that, and he always makes the right play, and and he makes it quickly. Like his reads, whenever you know a guy jumps off, uh, uh, helps off another guy, he pitches it out right to the three immediately. So he he makes those decisions promptly. He swings the ball. He, he really is. A great complimentary piece. It, it's funny because you you talk about the, how the Celtics need a star. They need a star, and and Horford is a star, but he's like this perfect complimentary guy rather than the star that you think of and you envision when you talk about the guy that the Celtics needed. I still think they need another piece to go get a bucket, like like Isaiah Thomas can get. They still need to either develop one of those guys, or or draft one of those guys or trade sign one of those guys whatever they they need to get another one but the offense has has taken at obvious strides since last season it, it it looks very clear that that group has 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 improved and i think once they start forcing turnovers again when smart comes back then that group could could really 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 look even even more potent than it has already so I, i'm looking forward to see 
what happens when Smart and Olenek get back and they have their full complement of players because that starting lineup has looked very good in, in stretches so far. Horford has looked very good. Bradley, Avery, Mother Bleep, and Bradley. <laughs> and, and Thomas has just been really efficient scoring the basketball. So the, the, this, the, it, it, it was an uneven start th- through the first three games. But I, I think the thing you were most worried – well, there are two things you were most worried about. One, rebounds. That is going to be an issue. That is going to be an issue for the whole season. They are just going to need to to hang on by their thread and 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 make do with that. They're going to have to get by and and scrape out as many rebounds as possible. And then the offense was the other thing that you wanted to see how it works with Horford. And so far, really, really, really good. I agree. You know, we'll see how it goes and see how things change when when the team is at full strength. So we've got the Bulls on Wednesday. Then we go to Cleveland on Thursday. A couple days off before that. And then they play again on Sunday. They host the Nuggets. So that's the schedule. We'll be talking about that and a lot more coming up this week on the Locked On Celtics podcast. Thank you for listening. If you are our first-time listener, if you've come to us through maybe our friends at FanRag Sports and you've gone uh, through that and found us there, or if you found us on Twitter through some retweets, I I hope you decide to subscribe. We would love to have you subscribe. If you have subscribed and you haven't rated us, please rate us five stars on iTunes or Google Play or Stitcher or the TuneIn app or wherever it is. If you go to Audio Boom, we have the RSS feed. You just grab that, plug it into whatever podcatcher you have, and you will, you can subscribe that way. However you do it, please do it. Play it whenever. You can play it on your way to work. You can play it at the gym. You can play it during one of those crazy afternoon Boston Sports Talk radio shows and just drown them out and play us when you want to actually have good Celtics talk instead of the crap that those guys are trying to spew and sell you. Do that. So, yeah, subscribe, rate us, whatever. And we will talk to you tomorrow. Thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading. This has been the Locked On Celtics Podcast here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Because we should talk about them being fourth in offense, tied fourth. And then... um, I think we should talk about like reasons why the defense hasn't performed up to par yet. Okay. Yeah. And whether to be worried about that. Uh, hold on one second. Fuck. All right. I got fucking clipboards everywhere. Fuck. <laughs> I wish I wish I'd been recording that. I I, oh, I am recording this. We we need to we need to give that out to the people. Right. I got fucking clipboards everywhere. <laughs> Fuck. I got notes upon notes. I got notes from two seasons ago. I'm like, "Fuck this. I don't need this." All right. Is that the new iPhone? Yeah, got it on T-Mobile. Fastest iPhone deserves America's fastest LTE network. Introducing the amazing iPhone 8. It's the best iPhone yet, now on America's best unlimited network. For a limited time, save up to $300 on the amazing iPhone 8 after 24 monthly bill credits. And now join T-Mobile's iPhone upgrade program for free. 
Eligible trade-in and finance agreement required. If you cancel service, you may lose promo credits. Contact us for details. Video at 480p. Small fraction of users over 50 gigs per month may have reduced speed. See store for details. Rejecting the screen has been retweeted by Kobe, Dame Lillard, and Vince Carter. So it's fair to say you should give it a shot. I'm Noah Kozlov. And I'm Adam Stanko. Rejecting the screen hits your feet every Tuesday and Thursday. On Tuesday... We talk hoops and a little bit of life. On Thursday, we go ISO with a guest. Stories from anyone and everyone who has touched the NBA with tales we promise you've never heard before. Find Rejecting the Screen right now wherever you get podcasts and hit that subscribe button.